0: Welcome to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints, where your viewpoint matters. Donnell discusses today's major issues and concerns with nationally recognized expert guests, as well as a variety of other interesting topics. So call and express your viewpoint about this week's topic or whatever else may be of concern to you. Just call Donnell at 563-999-3660 to share your viewpoint. Now, with this week's guest, here is your Viewpoint host, Donnell Edwards.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints. Thank you for joining us for tonight's program, and we hope that your day was enjoyable and that you spent a lot of time in your happy place. Uh, we strive to provide you with news, information, and life empowerment strategies And we hope that our efforts are being effective in making a difference in your life and your choices. This uh, past several weeks, we have uh, been encouraging our listeners to support and help our neighbors affected by Hurricane Florence and Hurricane Michael. And we still encourage you to do that because as we repeatedly emphasize, this is going to be a long process For some, it may take years to get back on their feet. And for others, uh, sadly, they may never uh, recover from this uh, tragedy and devastation. So please remember that recovery is a long process and our neighbors still need our help. So let's not uh, only keep them in our thoughts and prayers, but if possible, make whatever donation you can to the relief effort you uh, may go directly to the Red Cross donation site from our website. That's CWRtalknetwork.com. Just go to our homepage and click on the Red Cross Hurricane Florence image, and you'll go directly to the Red Cross donation site, and there you can make donations by credit card or PayPal. So thank you very much for your support in uh, this effort. Now, as we... uh, attempt to do uh, every week as uh, your Causes, Issues, and Life Empowerment Network. Uh, This week we present another very informative program that we hope will be empowering in a way that will help our listeners understand how they may be involved in making our schools better. Our special guest for tonight's show is the co-founder of Eagle Academy for Young Men and the managing director of Williams Strategy Advisors, LLC. Uh, Eagle Academy for Young Men is a network of college preparatory schools for grades 6 through 12 in challenged urban communities that educate and mentor young men into future leaders Mr. Williams is an attorney with substantial experience in law on Wall Street and in government. Prior to founding WSA, uh, Mr. Williams served as president and chief executive officer of a major New York state public authority where he completed over $30 billion in bond issuance and directed over $6.3 billion in construction expenditures. Uh, Mr. Williams served as the chair of the Governor's Minority and Women Business Enterprises Task Force from 2008 to 2010, where he crafted and executed the strategy to overhaul the state's procurement policies and procedures, leading to significant expansion of opportunities for minority and women-owned businesses. Prior to his government service, Mr. Williams was a principal and officer in a boutique investment bank on Wall Street. Welcome, Mr. Williams.
2: Well, good evening, and uh, thanks for, for having me. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, I'm very happy to uh, be able to uh, share this hour with you and your listeners.
1: Mr. Williams, please tell us about your background in government, procurement, investment banking, and law.
2: Well, that's uh, that's a, a, a mouthful. There, let me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think what would be helpful is uh, to uh, to share with you uh, my development over the years, and, uh, okay. and then um, if you have questions along the way, uh, we can we can certainly uh, be responsive to them. Uh, I I attended law school at uh, Columbia University here in New York City, and it was during my law school years that I, I I had the vision of wanting to be part of and wanting to start a uh, a corporate law firm that would be owned by black people that would be an african american owned corporate law firm at that time, particularly at Columbia, all the emphasis was on trying to cede students to these large uh, what they call white shoe law firms that um, Frankly, at that time, and to some extent till, still today, um, were very reluctant to um, really uh, admit uh, black uh, students into the firms or to promote them through the ranks uh, to become partners. And I didn't think that that was uh, an outcome that, um, that I wanted to have, but I wanted to be engaged in a corporate law practice. So to start my career... I I, uh, went to a a small firm that was African-American owned right in Harlem, New York for two reasons. One, I knew I would get um, advanced training in the fields that I was interested in quicker than in most larger firms. And I also knew that I'd get a a window into the business of law, which of course was something that was of interest to me. Uh, Along the way, uh, while there I had my first exposure to government service I was uh, drafted to serve as counsel to the New York State Assembly Banking Committee A post that was, at that point, just part-time, half the year But, uh, but uh, was in, in Albany, New York, where the state capitol was And I got um, to work with a wonderful gentleman, uh, Denny Farrell who was chairman of the Banks Committee. So I worked with the chairman of the Banks Committee at a fairly young age and got exposure to government, to the legislative process, and also my first exposure to the field of finance and law called public finance. When I came out of that position, that's when I started to uh, build a law firm. And uh, over the next 20 years or so, uh, myself along with several partners – built uh, a very successful uh, black law firm, Woodwinds Williams, Rafalski, and Harris, that engaged in a wonderful practice, corporate law, public finance, litigation, over that period of time. Now, uh, over time, of course, circumstances changed. And in uh, late, in, in 1998, I think it was, I moved my practice to uh, a large law firm that's referred to as a, an AM Law 100 law firm, one of the largest 100 firms in the country, Brian Cave. And I, became, I, was, I went in as a partner at Brian Cave, spent um, six years there as a partner. And because of my background, my business, and my relationships, I, um, I got interested in possibly testing the business side of, of some of the things that I worked on. So I, I became an outside investor and ultimately a principal and uh, vice chair, president of a small minority-owned broker-dealer on Wall Street. Um, I, I did that for five years and decided I didn't particularly like the Wall Street uh, scene, on the business side at least. And uh, I, I came out of the firm. I was doing some personal projects of my own when I was recruited by the new governor of the state of New York, Governor David A. Patterson, who happened to be African-American and happened to be a real good friend of mine who we had grown up together basically in New York and in the law and in community service. And he's the fellow who asked me to come run the agency known as the Dormitory Authority of the state of New York. Or we refer to it as DASNY, a very important public benefit corporation in the state. And it was my pleasure to serve under him and to be retained by Governor Andrew Cuomo. And I came out of that service uh, at the end of 2015. And at that point, we launched um, a very exciting business with my partner in Washington, D.C., Williams Strategy Advisors. And the Williams Strategy Advisors, or WSA, as we refer to it, is uh, it's a company that, based upon uh, our situation, we sort of get to pick and choose the, the projects that we want to work on, and we really advise businesses and help um, uh, uh, inform businesses that are particularly engaged in transformative projects, at least projects that we perceive to be transformative, on how to attain their, their objectives. And, again, we use our combined experience, background, and relationships to try to make that happen. My partner, who is in the District of Columbia, uh, was a career State Department uh, civil servant. Uh, she was also formerly ba- United States Ambassador to the West African country of Niger, and she was a Deputy Assistant Secretary to the African Bureau when she left the State Department. And she also happens to be one of my sisters, Ambassador Bisa Williams. So I have the pleasure of working with her uh, as we forge ahead uh, working with clients on behalf of WSA.
1: Okay, very good. Uh, I wanted you to do that because I wanted our listeners to understand how extensive your background is in the law, in finance, and in government. And the fact that as a businessman uh, with this kind of background, you still have time and have the interest in giving back to the community. Now, uh, I have uh, interviewed uh, Dr. George Frazier uh, a Mm. couple of times, uh, and it was a privilege and an honor to do that. The last time Dr. Frazier was interviewed was on, on this show about a year ago. And we were talking about a number of things about uh, the actually was reinventing the American dream was the uh, theme of that program. And and we talked about, about the education and both of us believe the, uh, the foundation for uh, success is, is, is education. And doctor, uh, Dr. Dr. Uh, Fraser made a profound statement when he was on that program. He said, If you want to destroy a people, destroy the people. And that was uh, really enlightening to me because uh, all you have to do is look and see what's going on in in this country and the disparity between resources for uh, students of color and those who, who are not. And you can see what he, what he meant and see how, how true that is. So tonight we're going to talk about a school that has done something about that to kind of level the playing field, so to speak. So what led you to become one of the co-founders of Eagle Academy for <laughs> Young Men in 2004?
2: You know, um, you, you made a, 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 a good point about – how I have approached my life, which is that I definitely have made time uh, since I be, went into professional life to uh, give back and to try to provide as well where it was appropriate and where I could uh, some leadership uh, based upon my background and experience. And really that, that, that mentality was a direct uh, a direct response to my upbringing with my parents. Both of my parents were 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 community and political activists in their own right, and um, a lot of that rubbed off on me and, and on my on my on my sisters. Um, but the Eagle Academy uh, situation arose out of my uh, adult. Um, My adult uh, uh, service, or what I mean to say is my service since I became an adult, really, uh, with an organization called 100 Black Men Incorporated. If I may for a second, uh, let me, for those who may not know, let me give you a little background on 100 Black Men because it it helps tell why and how Eagle Academy got started. But 100 Black Men, oh, thank you. 100 Black Men started in New York City in the uh, mid-60s, early 60s, um, as the civil rights era was beginning to really take root. And um, it was formed initially by uh, the group of young black men who were uh, involved in great endeavors. but Didn't necessarily even know each other at the time, Um, but the founder of the organization, a fellow named Robert Mangum, uh, who at the time uh, was one of the few black uh, supervisors in the New York City Police Department, called people together uh, over a particular incident. But through that through that call, ultimately an organization was formed uh, with people. Like David Dinkins and Bruce Llewellyn and uh, others as founders, along with Robert Mangum, a really, uh, a really stellar group of men came together to form that group. And over the years, um, they they did a lot of things. I became I became associated with the group um, in my early relatively well, early in my legal career, and really became a life I am a lifetime lifetime member actually. Now that I speak of it. But 100 black men in New York had always had uh, really four principal uh, areas of focus. Education was one of them, health, uh, uh, entrepreneurship or economic development, and community leadership. And it was uh, with the organization that um, I, I started to get involved with schools in New York City through the work that we did in education. Uh, okay. We would, well, you know, one of the things we would do was every year we would, uh, uh, we would provide scholarships to a group of young men and women uh, that went through a, a fairly uh, rigorous application process. So we got to see some of the best and brightest coming out of the public school system. But we also had a speakers bureau where we would send members into the schools to talk. Uh, and, and provide some some role models that students could could uh, could see and could could begin to form thoughts in their own mind in terms of aspirations and goals. Uh, and that's how I first got involved directly with schools. And ultimately, we had a program where the local where our local group 100 Black Men adopted schools to to try to serve as a vehicle in force to turn schools around. And we got one school off of the, off of the uh, closure list by our involvement. And um, we, so that was the experience that we had, but um, the, 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 the circumstances had bright spots. Uh, great students, good administrators, principals and teachers, But when you looked at the system as a whole, it was without question that the system as a whole was failing uh, people of color, students of color. Um, And um, that was reflected in part by the anecdotal kind of experiences myself and other members had when we went to the schools, but also by the statistics, which uh, if prepared accurately, just don't lie. And uh, uh, students of color, particularly black students, uh, weren't learning, weren't graduating, weren't going to college uh, in any uh, shape, form, or fashion in proportion to other cohorts in the system, uh, or in proportion to the state averages, or in proportion to the national averages. And I mean, not by a little, but by a lot. So it came a time when uh, after the March on Washington and um, other activities that were sort of galvanizing in the community. Um, Oh, by the way, I I just, I I guess I, I, I left out the fact that I served as assistant general counsel and general counsel for 100 black men for many years. And then in 2000, I became president of the organization. Okay. And, As president of the organization, I thought it was incumbent to set some objectives that could distinguish the organization as well as our term in office. And one of the objectives that uh, I put to the body that was embraced was the notion of instead of being a support mechanism to the school system, which we felt was helpful but not not decisive uh, making things better, we came up with a rather uh, radical idea, really, of of, um, creating a school that would be imbued with some of the characteristics that we as an organization thought would make a difference uh, in nurturing and and sustaining students of color um, in a positive way, and we decided that we would focus on boys of color because of all the cohorts of students in the public school system, boys of color, on any uh, per, uh, on any criteria, uh, would trail the pack uh, in terms of of uh, the, the, their, their rating or grading, and, um, and again, by significant percentages, they, the system was failing boys of color uh, in, 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 in dire proportions. So we decided to try to launch an all-boys school <clears throat> focused on communities of color which would have been, which was, became in fact the first uh, single gender school in New York City in over 30 years. Um, now, the 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 thing that really galvanized, I think, the effort, a single fact that sort of galvanized the effort was a statistic. And it is it is interesting now I think about how statistics sometimes can be so. So powerful, but um, it turned out <clears throat> that 75% of the uh, prison population in this entire state of New York was made up of, of men out of five districts in the city of New York, all of which districts were. Predominantly minority uh, in population, and and likewise the prison population that, that that came from those districts was also minority, and that once that uh, really motivated all of us to to think about um, taking the leap of of trying to start a new small school initiative. As a basically as a grassroots community-based organization, and the goal was to ultimately put a school in each one of those districts, which, uh, which uh, remarkably, we we were able to accomplish. Plus, we also located a school in Newark, New Jersey, which is also a a, a jurisdiction that struggles, that really struggles with. Um, uh Advancing uh the 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 uh cohort of boys of color through the public education system
1: okay very good <clears throat> and thank you for uh mentioning the one hundred uh, black men I was going to uh ask you about uh that uh We have an active chapter of uh one hundred black men here too and I'm familiar with the work that you do, which is really outstanding. Now, uh, I read that uh, as a youngster in New Jersey, uh, you competed for a scholarship to attend a local all-boys private school, and in spite of being confident that you would be selected, the scholarship was awarded to someone else. Now, uh, how did that affect you, and was that a factor later in your life as a co-founder of Eagle Academy for Young Men?
2: Well, um, you know, uh, it, it, it had a profound effect uh, on me and in my lifetime. As I was uh, thinking about that situation recently, um, it dawned on me that um, it, it was a life lesson for me uh, when uh, I was in uh, elementary school and junior high school. Uh, my parents had relocated to a suburb of Trenton, New Jersey, and the suburb um, was 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 integrated. But it was uh, you know where, where we lived, um, there weren't many black folks. So at the local school that we attended, um, there were there weren't um, we were basically the only family or, or the in the in the schools, uh, although they, you know, as, as we stayed okay. there, a couple more came along, but um, and down the street from where I lived at the time was one of the uh, uh, prep, uh, prep schools that um, even still to this day is ranked among the highest in the country. That was Lawrenceville, uh, uh, La- the Lawrenceville School, literally less than half a mile from down the street where I lived at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that school each year offered a scholarship to a student coming out of my junior high school just to keep good relationships with the community for no other reason. And um, the year in issue when we were competing for that, I did feel... Uh, that um i was at the top of the line i i was a very strong student i was a student athlete i was a student class uh, officer uh i was well liked um i played uh, a couple of instruments you know so <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what much more i could have done but um but uh, i had my i had my i for some reason i had my sights set on winning that award <laughs> and, and wouldn't you know they they gave the award to uh, another fellow, a classmate of mine, and and uh, non a non African American uh, who was a terrific student in the in the sciences. Um, okay. But didn't have, I mean, but that was basically his calling card. Um, and uh, he wasn't an athlete. He didn't he didn't have extracurricular activities that I was aware of. He must have been one hell of a student in the, the science <laughs> but, but I tell you, that just rubbed me the wrong way.
1: But uh
2: and you know what I did? I I I said to myself, you know, um, I'm gonna do something about this. And uh I started researching really with the urging of one of my sisters as well. I started researching private schools, and um, and 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 the upshot of all of it was that 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 setback, and 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 it was a setback. I was I was disappointed. Uh, I couldn't understand how it happened. No one, you know, it's not the kind of situation where you get debriefed on why you didn't win. You just didn't win, and um, so I, I thought it was a setback, but it was the, 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 I took it as the first step, the success that I wanted. So, okay. and, 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 and someone pointed out to me once when I was talking about this, they said, you know, Paul, you, you do that all the time. You know, it's like <laughs> you, you, you you I get motivated by, by, by someone telling me I'm not up to the task or someone telling me I can't do this or I can't do that. Um, when I know um, what, we, what I have within me as a person, and I know what we have as a people uh, within, within us to get accomplished, and I don't take those kinds of positions lightly. So I researched prep schools. I applied to schools that were uh, top five prep schools and got into a, a, a just a tremendous school called the Phillips Exeter Academy, um still ranks as the first or second school in any kind of list of prep schools. And um I attended Exeter and just had a, a tremendous uh experience there that that uh, that uh I built on uh in you know the rest of my college career and academic career and professional career.
1: Okay. All right, very good. Well look uh we thank you for joining us tonight and for your comments. We're anxious to continue our discussion, but we got to take a break right now. And I'd like to let our listeners know if you would like to share your viewpoint about tonight's discussion. Or if you have a question for our guests, give us a call at 563-999-3660 because your viewpoint matters. That number again is 563 999 3660. When we return, we're going to discuss uh, more about the Eagle Academy for Young Men and why it has been so successful. So stay tuned and we'll be back in just a few minutes.
0: You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag 1 million strong.
1: Today we, we decided, decided to walk to, walk to, school. to school. The, the light, light county. 15, 31? I mean 13? We, we took a left, left on Carroll Street. Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. <laughs> I realized Realized he forgot his his homework. I hope hope he doesn't have another bad day at school.
0: When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. Listen and
1: imagine.
0: It takes five seconds to send a text. And for those five seconds, you're driving blind. Life is worth more than a text. Stay alive. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. It's not just cliche. It's more than a slogan. It's our identity as America's voice for championing important causes and issues like reading literacy. Host and producer Joanne Burrow tackles this issue in a number of ways on her show, Read, Read, Read. The first and third Saturday of each month, 12 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Central Time. Read, Read, Read is more than a program. It is an initiative started by Ms. Burroughs to attack the problem of reading literacy and reading proficiency with the ultimate goal of expanding the program to include mentors to help students with not only reading skills but also life skills. She also invites interesting guests to come on her program to discuss their challenges with reading, as well as their joy and appreciation of reading. Some of the guests are authors who discuss their books and offer their insight into the importance of reading and being good readers. Join Joanne the first and third Saturday of every month at 12 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Central Time for Read, Read, Read exclusively on your network for causes, issues, and life empowerment, the CWR Talk Network. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong.
1: Thank you for joining us for tonight's uh, edition of Donnell Edwards Viewpoint. We are talking with Mr. Paul Williams, co-founder of Eagle Academy for Young Men, a network of college preparatory schools for grades 6 through 12, and challenge urban communities that educate and mentor young men into future leaders. Uh, Mr. Williams, uh, how how has Eagle Academy been so successful academically? We in the news about uh, how uh, Americans, and not just uh, 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 Americans of, of, of color, but Americans in general, falling behind uh, other countries, and in math and science, and uh, so how, how is his uh, Eagle Academy successful, in your academics? By the way, I I agree with you wholeheartedly,
2: um, and uh, you know as an employer, um, you can you can see that the public system has um, not really uh, um, kept up with the times in in graduating uh, students who are uh, either college ready or uh, otherwise ready to tackle the world in a a meaningful way. And it is a national crisis. It's not limited to uh, communities of color by any stretch of the imagination. But um, communities of color at times have a, a harder way to go to make a difference because of some of the issues you mentioned, access to funding, uh, the, 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 uh, uh correct and, uh, uh, motivated leadership, um, teachers that care about students more than their, you know, retirement. Um, there are a lot of factors that, that make it, uh, hard to, 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 um, Create a a, um, a setting for substantial change, but let me tell you a little bit about how it happened with the Eagle Academy uh, initiative, and perhaps um, you'll you'll have questions that may draw more out.
0: But okay. first and
2: foremost, first and foremost, I think one key strength is that this was a community-based, fully-supported initiative by an organization with a long track record, with a substantial membership in terms of people of of note and power in their own right in the community that made a commitment and, and have maintained their commitment to be a part of the initiative so it wasn't just creating a school and letting the system go with it. No, it was creating uh, a, a first a school and then multiple schools, and I'll tell you what we're doing now in a minute, um, and staying with it, staying with it, uh, and that was critical. So it was a real and has been from inception a real group effort. That's why we say there's no one founder of Eagle Academy. Everybody who was there – that in the inception uh, and early years are co-founders because it took every last one of us practically to get this initiative launched. So that's point number one, having um, a group that is motivated, mobilized and uh, able to tackle um, the issue and will stay on the issue, I think is of critical importance. The next thing was to consider the founding or cardinal principles, which shape the pedagogy and which shape the uh, the way we would uh, try to organize the effort and organize the schools. So that um, included a, a a robust discussion among our group, um, and uh, there were some I think. Uh, really important principles that we settled on. One, of course, academic excellence. Uh, This notion that uh, you give folks passes in life um, isn't in our agenda. So we have a focus on uh, academic achievement and academic excellence. In fact, we call all of our students young scholars or scholars, is that's what we expect them to be If they don't enter as a scholar We expect them to leave as a scholar uh, To give students a sense of place, self, and history So we have a focus on, 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 on teaching history That is relevant to uh, students of color And We have students, we have Latino students We have African students, We African American students Caribbean students we have students from so many countries. It's hard to keep keep track, um, but they are, you know, 99% students of color. Um, with sometimes histories from that 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 they're not aware of, histories that can help shape a strong center among these young men and help uh, to serve them as uh, guides and as support. Uh, you know, throughout their life, so that's another element. Um, and then there, there are two other elements that were critical, and are critical. One is um, school leadership. Uh, we found out one of our one of the main co-founders of of the Eagle Academy initiative, initiative was a young man named David Banks, and uh, David Banks was. With this effort from the, from the inception at the time, he was a lawyer, but he, he, he switched from law to education, was a teacher, then became a principal, and he founded uh, his own school of law, government, and justice, which is a very successful school, small school. Um, and when, he, when we drafted him in, into the Eagle Academy Initiative to help us put that together, he took that up with a passion, and uh, became the principal of our first Eagle Academy school, and now he serves as the president and CEO of the Eagle Academy Foundation, which is the support group uh, the, for the schools and for the Eagle Initiative, along with 100 Black Men, which of course continues its 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 uh, its own existence and its and its own programmatic uh, approaches including its work with the Eagle Academy but through David's focus and, and experience we very quickly came to conclude that strong principles were critical in the success of Eagle Academy and particularly in success working with boys and young men and they needed to have male role models, at least at this stage of our development, uh, in strong positions uh, as principals, and the principals needed to have um, uh, control of the school from an academic as well as, um, as administrative standpoint. So to get that accomplished, um, we negotiated for... Some, uh, uh, some provisions that were different slightly from uh, normal school uh, governance within the system that we have in New York City. So we were able to initiate uh, a scenario where the uh, Eagle Academy Foundation, uh, now the foundation that initially 100 black men had uh, the ability to identify if school leadership, to, to go out, uh, search for, and, and identify uh, school principals that we believed uh, had the same vision, could, 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 could buy into the Eagle Academy vision, had the experience and the commitment to lead an Eagle Academy school so, because we had the ability to identify and select principals, that helps keep our initiative congruent with our with our uh, with our mission. Because if you if you if you just have any old principal appointed to a school with a, a special purpose, such as Eagle, um, you could you could you could wind up with a disaster where leadership would be ineffective and and um, and uh, and uh, uh, deleterious to the to the overall mission. And then the last key element was having um, uh, um, going out and recruiting teachers who were really committed, uh, and I mean committed uh, in, in with passion to the Eagle Academy uh, mission. As teachers who who weren't who weren't uh, weren't fathered um, in, in fact you know wanted to work over time sometimes to, to get things done teachers that were uh passionate about um their their particular disciplines but also recognizing that um you know trying to elevate the the uh, success of the uh, boys of color in a public education system called for more than just eight to three and uh We've we've been able through uh, through both um, uh, I, as I said the support of 100 black men in the community to um, have a have a role in recruiting great teachers, and we find actually that some of the best teachers uh, seek us out because they they want the challenge, they they want to be challenged, and they want the opportunity to demonstrate that their particular uh, skill sets as teachers can actually be successful where they're in a school environment that is supportive. So those are four points that I I, I think are really cardinal to uh, the initiative. Although of course there, there's a lot more to, that goes into it.
1: Okay, uh, <clears throat> I think it's noteworthy too that uh, which attributes to the uh, the success that Eagle Academy is having. Uh, In 2017, the Eagle Academy for Young Men had a graduation rate of 87%. That's 87%. And on top of that, 98% of your graduates were accepted to to college. That is just extraordinary. Uh, So,
2: Can can I give you... Sure. Can I give you a little background on those on those sure. statistics? because um, um, I, I think that um, it's really important for um, the audience to understand the the sort of information behind those numbers. So first of all, let's talk about the graduation rate. Um, uh, we We have that high graduation rate. Uh, and this year, in this year, 100% of our students who graduated got accepted to college um, in the city uh, of. of excuse me, city, for, excuse, it,
1: excuse me for interrupting.
2: Mm-hmm. Did
1: you say 100%?
2: Yes, 100% were wow. accepted to colleges of their choice, and uh, we've really been focusing on. Uh, we have a uh, we have a system that's been developed by one of our uh One of the uh, leaders in the Eagle Academy Foundation that has been working uh, wonders guidance and support for students, so we had a hundred percent acceptance rate. but let me share this with you okay in, as, 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 as citywide city wide only fifty seven percent of city students get accepted into college
1: okay All right.
2: that's city wide now also we have um, a high graduation rate, but citywide, um, only 80, only seventy two percent of students citywide graduate on time. Um, but we graduate a much higher percentage, even though uh, at least twenty five percent of students enter our schools. Being labeled as 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 a special needs student, and that's higher than the citywide average, which is 17%. So, notwithstanding having a greater population of special needs students, we have maintained higher graduation rates and higher college acceptance rates um, than I mean by far than this than this district as a whole, which I think really demonstrates the value added proposition for our, for our system, for our pedagogy and for our, our leadership.
1: Okay. Thank you. Uh, when you put it in that perspective, it really helps to, uh, make things even more powerful with, uh, with what you, what you're, what you're doing and, and, and what you've accomplished. Mm-hmm. Now, now, obviously Uh, When when we first started talking, there was was a need, or I should say there is a need for uh, schools like uh, uh, you've established. So what are some of the challenges that young men of color confronted with that's that's different from other students? And, And why are many of their needs not being satisfied in the traditional school settings?
2: Well, I mean, that that's a program unto itself. There are lots of
1: reasons. <laughs> okay.
2: Lots of reasons that um, that that boys of color uh, underperform. Um, many of them have to do with uh, with attitudinal dispositions of teachers and administrators, with uh, with systems of instruction that 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 don't relate. To students in a way that is captivating or motivating uh, to the uh, to the system of discipline that very frequently uh, uh, misreads and mislabels, uh, particularly boys of color. Um, there, there, there's, there's there's there are a whole number of reasons. This is a uh, this is a cohort of students that really um, need. Um, special attention, and one of the things that uh, I think we have done in the Eagle Academy Foundation, you know, we, we've, we've established, we sort of built these, spots, these six schools, but you couldn't build enough schools in this country to address the issues that we just talked about, but what we have done is we have launched what we call the Eagle Institute, and the Eagle Institute is pledged to help educate um, as many uh, school systems, uh, as many schools, as many administrators and teachers across this country that are working with boys of color, whether in a co-ed school or um, a, a single gender school, the lessons that we have learned over these, let's say, what, 14 years now, that um, uh, go to help uh, solidify the the kind of records that we've been able to achieve in our New York experience. So the Eagle Institute, uh, which was launched last year, is um, taking off like like uh, a wildfire uh, in, in 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 capturing the uh, the attention and the interest. Of, of students or not of students But of teachers, administrators, principals And school systems around the country And any we, we, well, the, the Eagle Institute Holds uh, Teacher and administrator Programs on a Regular basis uh, we, can, we, can, we can Come to where you are Under, under um, Appropriate circumstances And um, it's The resource that we hope will help impact, frankly, millions of students, not just the thousands of students that we're impacting directly with our schools.
1: Okay, so let me understand the, the role of the, the Eagle, Eagle, Eagle Institute. Is that to help teachers and administrators from wherever they are in the country to learn some of the basic concepts that are applied Uh, In the Eagle Academy for young men and then take that back to wherever they are and implement those so in effect they are doing some of the same things that you're doing or is it to help individuals who would like to take the model that you have and start other schools in their areas or both?
2: it, 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 It actually no no you hit that running ahead it's actually both Okay. Now, the 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 uh, the, the former um, statement that you made in terms of helping schools uh, uh, absorb and execute some of the uh, teachings and learnings that 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 we can share in traditional schools and traditional public schools is critical because that's where most of the students are, um, and um, and there's a lot of work that can be done there, and that's the primary focus. However, if, if there are organized groups of people, and remember when I stressed that we feel strongly that if you're going to do a school, you have to have a community-based organization that's right. got, the, got the grit and the, and, the, and the capability of sticking with it. That if there are organized groups in locations that desire to start a school, we can help with those groups as well. Uh, provided that the school system uh in which they're located is supportive of of the effort, so we can do we're doing both things and we're doing both things quite actively now
1: okay all right very good now uh obviously what you're doing it it takes a uh, uh a lot of funding and if i if, I'm, if I'm, I'm correct, you are a public charter school so no.
2: so no we're you're not
1: that's okay. one of the reasons okay. we
2: started Eagle. We're not a charter school. Okay. We are a traditional public school with certain leeway uh, permitted through our negotiation with the system that, that I identified earlier. But we, one of the things we wanted to do, we wanted to show people that you don't have to be a charter school to have excellence in this country. You know, okay. you, you, you can be a public school. Uh, it takes work, but you can do it. Now, we it, we do it we, we do it with a little extra money because we do have the Eagle Academy Foundation, which which, okay. which supports which supports students and educators and administrators, and the schools that have been developed in 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 many ways. And um, that support translates into about two thousand dollars per student that the foundation raises to support. Uh, For example, the the college guidance program that I mentioned briefly, that's an Eagle Foundation initiative that's supported by the foundation. Um, We have uh, certain critical programs. Um, We have a a program during the summer that helps get students ready to go into the Eagle schools, whether they're going into the sixth grade or going into the high school. Um, That's a foundation program. And we have um, our college transition program. Uh, that's a foundation-supported program. And, and there are other things that the foundation does that helps strengthen the schools or provide support services to the students. Um, and and, and that, that's why I say um, we raise money from uh, private individuals, from corporations, and from foundations to make that happen.
1: Okay. Very good. Uh, that answers my question that I was going to ask about the funding. So, uh, uh, very good. Now I, I did want to ask you something else because, uh, we feel very strongly about financial literacy mm-hmm. and ownership, uh, on our network. And I know you mentioned that to just briefly in, in some of your comments, but, uh, is is that a part of the Eagle Academy curriculum, financial literacy and entrepreneurship, or is that something that's emphasized as a part of your mentoring program?
2: It's, it's, it's emphasized um, as part of our mentoring and support programs, but it is also uh, a focus of, of the schools. And I can tell you, for example, um, we have uh, a group called future and options that provides internships to students in the financial services industry the Blackstone group uh, which is a major financial service company here in New York has a mentoring program with us uh, that that also is focused on on uh, financial literacy uh, we have a program called virtual enterprise which the, the students create virtual businesses and business plans and and sort of compete against each other across the city. Um, that's part of our, our, our program and uh, entrepreneurship. I, I should have mentioned it earlier, but entrepreneurship is definitely uh, a, a focal point, One of the focal points of the, the, uh, the school's work and focus.
1: Okay. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's real important. And, and um, just as you mentioned, Uh, Because uh, when we look at uh, people of color attaining economic equality, the only way that's going to happen is if we find a way to break the generational poverty that's existed for so long for so many people of color. And that's one of the reasons we we put so much emphasis on, on financial literacy as as well as entrepreneurship, so it's great and that I, you do have that as a part of your uh, your program.
2: And I, I am I am 100% in favor of everything you just said. Um, that that whole effort, financial literacy, uh, is is crucial, and it's not taught in schools generally the way it should be taught. Uh, so I I I I'm with you 100%.
1: Okay. Now, uh, Paul, much of your life's work, cause we, we mentioned this earlier, but uh, it's been centered around uh, community and helping to build strong communities, and your work with Eagle Academy for Young Men is just one example of that. Uh, so you, you shared with me uh, another project that you're involved in at this time, and it's called, I believe, One Brooklyn Health Transformation Grant Project Would you please tell us about this project and its purpose?
2: So, um, this is work that I'm doing through my consulting company, WSA. Um, the one Brooklyn health transformation grant program is a really bold effort, uh, fashioned by the, the state of New York and governor Cuomo to, to help transform three community based hospitals in central Brooklyn where you know that's 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 the community that is of color in Brooklyn oh, okay. and and there are three the three uh, community-based hospitals there that have been on hard times for as long as anybody can remember so the state did two things um they they set the groundwork for those three hospitals to come together in one system called the One Brooklyn Health system where they can sort of rationalize both their uh, uh both their clinical um uh, aspects as well as their administrative aspects to, to gain uh, better savings and also better uh, response from the community that they serve. And um, the state provided a $660 million grant to provide um, uh, upgrades to the physical premises of the hospitals to bring them up to high standard. And also, part of that money is being used to build out 30 new uh, health clinics or ambulatory care centers in the community so we can get people treated in the community um, before things get desperate, before they have to get to the hospital, before they get to a point where um, they, 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 they are in dire uh, uh, physical or health situations so that's the program it's been it's my pleasure to to be a consultant to the system on helping them maximize the utilization of minority firms and local businesses in uh, the work that will be involved in the transformation project
1: okay uh, sounds like a very, very worthwhile project, and that's another one of the things that uh, is of interest to us here at our network, and that is uh, health care uh, because, as you know, uh, access to uh, good health care and focusing on taking care of ourselves is something that is is not as uh, uh, common in, in in our communities as it is in, in, in others. Now, uh, Paul, how many listeners interested in learning more about the Eagle Academy for Young Men, uh, that model, and also the One Brooklyn Hill Transformation Grant Project, how may they contact you to get more information?
2: I think the best way to contact folks is um, through uh, their respective websites. For the okay. Eagle Academy, it's the uh, if you Google uh, the Eagle Academy of New York, you will uh, find uh, the foundation's website, which has uh, information there about how you can reach out for additional information. Uh, and, and likewise, for uh, the One Brooklyn Health System, if you are a, a, a contractor or vendor that, that uh, may have the ability to provide Services for the program for the project. I would uh, ask you to check into this website. It's called Diversity Marketplace. www.diversitymarketplace.com, and go to the portal for One Brooklyn Health. That will give you not only information about the project, but information about different bids that we we will have, different requests for proposals, and information pertinent to potential contractors, or vendors.
1: Okay, thank you very much. And uh, Paul, we really thank you for the outstanding work that you're doing with Eagle Academy for young men and all of your community activism. And you're not only an outstanding role model for young men, but for all of us. So thank you for being our guest tonight on Donnell Edwards Viewpoints and uh I just want to share with the audience uh Mr. Williams came even though there was some personal loss in his family over the weekend and we really, really appreciate the sacrifice you made and uh sharing with us his time to be here with us this evening. So thank well, you so much. Go ahead. I
2: thank I thank you for having me on again. It's been my pleasure and I, I am I am so happy to learn more about your per- per- personal efforts in in helping uh, the community uh, in the ways that uh, are important uh, through your work uh, with, uh, with the radio show and otherwise as well. So congratulations. Okay,
1: okay thank you so much. I appreciate that. Now, next week uh, we're going to have another interesting program for you. Uh, we will be discussing why protecting DACA, supporting the Dreamers Movement, and reasonable immigration policies are important. With our guest, San Diego attorney, Dulce Garcia, the undocumented lawyer that's suing the Trump administration over DACA. So what is the latest on DACA? What is being done with regards to immigration laws that have separated children from their parents and destroyed families and has caused chaos in America. Join us next Monday to get answers to these and other important questions about immigration. Until then, have a great week and make sure that whatever you're doing, you are a difference maker.
0: You're listening to The CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo
1: and we lost track of time.
0: 18 plus.